without further ado, I want to, I'm going to introduce my amazing newbie panel for the last time, the, the final time. We've got the fantastic John from What Up, we've got Lottie from Shell Cottage Radio, and we've got Trisha Arand from Beyond the Screenplay. Welcome, newbies. Hi. Hi, how's it going? Hello. All right, guys, for the last time, I'm going to ask you for your one word reaction to our season finale and why. So we're going to start with Trisha. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, start with me. Um, <laughs> uh, I've tried and tried and tried to pick a different word than this because it's such a bummer of a word to choose. But um, I'm going to go with disappointed. Um, okay. You know what? Honesty I, is 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 appreciated. So. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> coming into this, I wasn't able to be here last week, uh, but I was really hopeful. I thought there were a lot of potential, interesting like twists and story threads, and even some thematic development that was um, being explored and the characters. And um, mm -hmm. even though a lot didn't happen last week, I thought that the content of what was there was um, rich and and interesting. And so I, I was just like, I think I maybe came in with expectations that were either not fair or I don't know. Uh, but I, I felt like there were some missed opportunities here. And so it kind of made me a, li a, well, a little let down and yeah. also a little sad that it's over, but <laughs> yeah, a, a little let down that, um, that I, I don't know. Well, well, let's get into it. And, and the other thing I want to get into, uh, hopefully we have time later on, is to talk about um, some of the meta like aspects of what it's like to be watching a show like this right now um okay, and what yeah. creating a show like this right now because I have a lot of um I just have a lot of solidarity with the writers and showrunners on this I think they're in a really hard position so I yes get to that and you can speak to that, Trisha, and I think we should absolutely get to that because, you know, making making a show, there's so much that goes into it. And it, it does sometimes feel like the writers were not going to be able to win this because they were going to disappoint the lore experts and perhaps the newbies who, who might have been a bit confused. But I know you in particular, Trisha, were like hoping that Halbrand was not Sauron. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> <laughs> I was but probably that's on me I think that the, I think that the show tried to warn me probably so yeah we saw it coming we all saw it coming yeah. so I wasn't shocked of course um but we'll move to Lottie Lottie reactions to the show were you similarly disappointed similarly disappointed or how do you feel okay I gotta say no I'm not as disappointed with the finale I was not a fan of the first half but the second half did it for me so mm -hmm. um I'm gonna go with the word beginnings because I'm sad now that the season is over because for me now everything's set. Now we can start the whole journey. Now it's mm. about the rings of power. Mm. So I feel like the whole first season is feels more like a prologue. And now mm. we can start the, the real story about the second age. So um, yeah, I'm going to go with beginnings. Yeah, I think that's true. And I'm similarly really hopeful that now that they've sort of laid the foundation and gotten a lot of that groundwork out of the way, we're going to see a lot more character development story and really dig into the exciting bits of the other rings of power being sport forged. Sorry if that's too spoilery, but I think we all know that there are more <clears throat> rings than just these three. Because you've all seen, you know. Well, Fiona yeah. Apple also sung to me about it during the credits, so right. I, heard, I heard about <laughs> yeah. it. Yes, yeah. indeed, <laughs> an interesting choice. We'll get to we'll get to if we like the song or didn't like the song. But um, John, why don't you go ahead and give us your one word and why? Safe. 
Um, mm. I'm going to say safe because it was exactly what I expected from an Amazon finale. Um, nothing too outlandish, nothing too crazy, no huge twists. Um, they played it fairly safe to try to appeal to the most amount of people, I think, um, uh, w- with adding their 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 signature Amazon uh, mystery twists, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, I, I wasn't truly disappointed in it, but again, it was it was what I expected. That makes any sense. Right. Um, a lot of it, we all, 100% of you, all three of you, thought that um, Halbrand was Sauron and you were right. Uh, <laughs> that was the big, that was the <laughs> I big didn't reveal. want to be right. That's, that's, um, that's yeah, that's me neither. <laughs> I'm going to get slightly spoilery with this episode, not too much, but you know, since we are coming to a close with you newbies, I think it's, I think it's okay now. Um, I had been hoping that he had been a witch king um, and I had good reason to think that he probably was. Um, so I was also a little bit disappointed that he ended up being Sauron, but I did really enjoy the way that they revealed that he was Sauron. Some of those scenes where he's entering her mind and messing with her memories. Um, I thought those were really well done. Uh, and I'd love to get your thoughts on the way that this was re- revealed um, and his character, you know, arc in general. I feel like, Trisha, you were, you know, it felt, <laughs> I remember specifically you had said, it's going to feel unearned. It's going to feel cheap. Um, yeah, you know, two two sort of lines of thought here. I do want to praise the um the those little flashback sequences or the sort of um, hallucination or you know he, he's kind of in her mind sequences because those essentially made up the climax of this episode right. and what I was ho- what I was hoping that we wouldn't have was like a big battle or some other like large action adventure thing that felt like um, it was just there to be exciting and, and not really a part of the story or really serving the story. So I actually like that they went with this kind of confrontation as this, you know, not a fight scene, but a sort of, yeah, mind, like personality clash for the climax of the entire show. So I thought that was a bold choice and I really enjoyed that. Um, I will say I do have a lot of issues with the construction of, or the idea that Halbrand is Sauron. Um, and I talk about this sometimes when I'm talking about twists generally, but essentially the the thing about a twist is that it has to make sense from every angle and you have to under, be able to look at Halbrand's actions from the very moment that we meet him from his perspective and ensure that there is consistency in the character, consistency in the choices that that character makes and the events leading up to this reveal. And I don't find that there is a lot of consistency here. Um, There's, you know, Halbrand is a guy we meet on a raft. He doesn't seem all powerful. He confronts a sea monster, which kills every other member of his group. Um, and he doesn't seem like he has control over anything per se. He doesn't seem power, more powerful than an ordinary man. And he probably would have acted that way under those circumstances if his life was being threatened. Um, the same where we see, you know, he and Galadriel like desperately fighting through the storm, trying to make it to Numenor. Um, his life is on the line. If he were more powerful than an immortal man, we should have seen some of those powers coming out. There was no reason at that time necessarily for him to conceal them from her. It's a little bit tricky. Same thing when we see him in prison. Um, the other thing is that 
there's something I want to talk about really quickly, which is coincidences in narrative fiction. Um, as audiences, we generally tend to accept coincidences in narrative fiction when they are disadvantaging a character. So if something happens that goes that is a coincidence, but goes really badly for a character, we accept that because it creates more drama. And we're like, oh, okay, that's great. This creates, like, again, more conflict for the character, a bigger obstacle for them to climb. This is the essence of drama. When a coincidence occurs that works out for the character, we tend to reject them because it robs the situation of some drama. And if you look at Sauron's storyline, Halbrand's storyline so far, it is all favorable coincidences that he could conceivably have had no control over. He had well, no yes. agency in so many of those situations, including this one where he's wounded and it's Galadriel's decision to ride him over to where the elves are, where Celebrimbor is like, oh, you're a smith? Do you want to help me out? Like everything about everyone else's actions are not in his control. And yet there are coincidences that go unbelievably in his favor which is simply leaves us incredulous and again robs the situation of the drama that we might have hoped for. Yeah, okay. So so a couple things. This is a debate that my podcast partner and I got into last night. Um was do we think that Sauron is playing a long con? Right? Like he orchestrated this whole thing and we don't know that yet. We don't see it. Like the show hasn't hasn't told us that. Um, Mm -hmm. By all accounts, you know, he is, it's circumstantial that he runs into Galadriel. It's circumstantial that she brings him back to Eregion. Um, But do we think, is he playing, is it possible that he's playing a long con and somehow we're going to find out that he orchestrated all this since he is a Maiar, he is very powerful, he's very clever. Um, Or do we think that at some point he was truly repentant, wanted to get away, find peace, um, and, you know, he sort of got drunk on this power of fighting near Galadriel and and went to the dark side again? I have a response to that, but I want to hear from the other panelists also. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Other panelists, jump in. Uh, So we're talking about the the dream type sequences first? Is that what uh, the initial question was? Or sure, just the general Halbrand yeah. thing. I, I, I want to talk just a bit about them first because um, I know Trisha said she, you said you enjoyed them, right? Um, the flashback sequences? I enjoyed the idea of them as a narrative choice for the climax. Yes. Yeah. I I was super disappointed in them. Mm. <laughs> um, the pinnacle of, of, of that to me is The Cell. I don't know if, if anyone here in the panel has seen the movie The Cell. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, it's probably from the late 90s, maybe mid 90s. Um, mm-hmm. Going going through uh, someone's consciousness and things like that, um, that is the pinnacle of that type of, of strange, manipulative, weird. And, and that's what I like to see when I see things like that. This was just kind of bland for me, if if it makes any sense at all. It was it was not badly done by any stretch of the imagination. I liked the way it told the story, but I didn't like how i mean he was trying to manipulate her gladriel during it and it 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 seemed like me trying to do it like it was just not great you know what i mean like it was not it was, it was like a regular person trying to manipulate uh, this 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 uh, amazing elf and i didn't get i mean in the end it worked i mean she didn't say anything and i thought that was a little strange uh to me um now again being a newbie, I don't know if maybe he has mind control powers. Maybe he did something. Maybe, 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 maybe. There's a lot of maybes there for me. Um, but 
I didn't believe he was convincing enough to convince her not to say anything, not to ruin his plans, so to speak, not to at least temper everyone's expectations. Um, so I didn't like that part. And then going on to Halbrand being Sauron, super disappointed. Like just, I didn't want to be right at all. Um, what Trisha was saying when, uh, for me, I didn't believe he orchestrated anything. No, there was no, <laughs> there was no sense of that throughout the entire show from the first episode on maybe, maybe he was supposed to have it's, it's possible, but I didn't get the feeling that he did because I at this point don't know if a lot of the things that happened were within his power to change or manipulate. Like, so perhaps the weather during the storm, maybe he, he protected them and got them ashore. That's to me, that's okay. I, I can get that. But all of the other small coincidences, can he plant notions in people's minds and make them do things? Because a lot of what happened with his storyline ended up in the hands of Gladriel and other people. And it was their decisions, not his. And he didn't influence their decisions in any way. So him making it to Kellogg near the end and helping him smith things and stuff seemed like a very happy coincidence and not orchestrated. So instead of him being this all-powerful sort of mastermind where he's you know moving the, the chess pieces around so he can get to where he needs to be to, to, to his end goal, it's sort of like uh, watching Megamind. And it just kind of happens and falls, in, falls into his lap. And it's like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to do this now. And I didn't like that. But hmm. I, I yeah. didn't want it to be him. Lottie, yeah. do you have the same or different take on this so first of all i liked how they revealed the revelation the um mind you know when he visited her mind i liked how that looked i liked her seeing galadriel laughing and crying so we got more feelings more emotions out of her and mm -hmm. seeing it from i don't know um jen you said seeing it from that perspective that he didn't want to what if it was more like he actually wanted to I don't know, pursue something different and, or tr at least try to, but then, like you said, he didn't control everyone else made the decisions for him. And it's almost like, oh, wow, this seems to be my destiny. I guess I'm going to follow this path because everything, everything I ever do leads to this. So maybe mm. that was more like to him, almost like the universe telling him, oh, I should be this powerful Lord and I should you know, it doesn't, the good side doesn't work for me almost like that. Um, but I did have a problem with the whole, you know, it bothered me a little bit that no one ever bothered to check on the lineage of the King of the Southlands before. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that, when they all me. said the true yeah. King of the Southlands has returned. Yeah. And everyone just accepted it and was like, yay, the King. And no one ever checked on that. So that was, that felt a little cheap to me, but otherwise I enjoyed the revelation. I don't, um, if, if we see it from that perspective that he, he did want to lead a different, live a different life, then I think I can accept that he's Sauron. So. I so wanted it to be the, the chancellor of Numenor that I think that would have been so much better because he worked to get to that spot and manipulated everybody. And, uh, what, what can you do? I'm not, I'm not a writer. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, on the perhaps that uh, perhaps Halbrand was actually repentant uh, angle, I think that also creates disappointment for me because if he really was repentant, we don't get that sense from this final confrontation. I think that that's the thing is if okay. when she says, you know, um, like, what's your real name? 
if he like attempts to plead with her, my name really is Halbrand. I really am like, I've become a new person. I'm not the person that I was like, again, insisting maybe throughout this confrontation, like my actions in the past created a lot of pain, but I really am trying to be someone different now. And like all of these circumstances have conspired to throw me into this situation where I, you crowned me king and that was not what I wanted. And like, I really wanted to stay in Numenor. Again, if he could explain a little bit of his actions, then I might buy that a little more. Now, the one thing about that is, A, it didn't go that way, and B, even if it had, I think it robs Sauron of a lot of his menace um, as like a, the big bad of the show. So I think it's kind of a double bind here where by making Halbrand Sauron, you're forced with sort of two options to explain the way he was acting before, and neither really satisfies narratively a character arc or any kind of internal logic or consistency. Well, that's what I was hope. I'm hoping that in season two, we get a little, we get much more actually of what happened that landed, what happened to Sauron. Let's hear, let's hear the rest of it. Let's hear the rest of why he ended up on a raft in the ocean. You know, let's get more backstory. Let's get more. How did we arrive here? Um, let's see the fall of Morgoth even. I don't think we can see that rights wise, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> maybe they can, maybe they can get creative about it but um yes i mean i agree i needed more of how did you get here sauron and um i'm hoping season two will answer some questions i'm hoping season two you know we see much more adar and sauron i'm sure we will see that come to a head um that's what i'm really hopeful for because i actually find adar like more of a compelling villain and i really enjoy watching him um than i do you know, Halbrand at this point, but it will be interesting to see, you know, what the show does now that Sauron is out in the open. Um, what can they explore now that it's not such a mystery box, um, that they're not really relying on all the chatter being about who is Sauron, who is Sauron, who is Sauron. Um, so I'm personally that. I looking so forward to it. Well, and, and this goes back yeah. to this goes back to a meta question that I have about the approach okay. to the show, which is, do we need a mystery box about who the villain is? Like, no. did we really need to be wondering, oh, is this Gandalf? Which I know we'll get over to him in a minute or the wizard, I guess, if you want. Um, did we, it's definitely Gandalf. Anyway, okay. But uh, <laughs> like, he like literally says the same lines from Fellowship, which is like- He oh, does say the anyway, same lines. Yes. We'll get back to that. Um, but like, do we, did we really need a mystery box for there to be a narratively compelling season of television? Um, and I would argue probably not. And I thought that, you know, this is the issue, you run into the sort of logical issue that I'm kind of highlighting here um, with these characters when you're trying to make their identity like a big reveal. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not convinced that we need it. I would have rather had I, like, a, I, tell us straight out and then spend a lot of the spend a lot more of your time developing arcs or thematic like rich thematic conversation or hell you have a lot of plot to do <laughs> do your plot with like enough to take your time on your plot there's a lot of plot to get through you're four storylines at least so it's, i don't know if you need to spend your time weaving mysteries it's almost as if amazon has a checklist and that's on it they, yes. they need to have mystery and and a lot of their shows do this and it feels very in my opinion feels very forced in a lot of stuff that they do but it's almost like they go to the writer's room and say the you will do three mysteries and this is what they will be figure it out 
and then they have to write it in there and it kind of ruins a lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if it was maybe one or two mysteries over the course of a couple of seasons done really well uh, with a lot of buildup and a lot of intrigue and stuff behind it, but th th that was not the case. It was just everybody knew we're going to be guessing the whole time who it is and there was no real push towards any particular character um, except the fact that they're spending more time with this person and I don't really like his motivations. I don't believe them. So he's Sauron. And that's what we said, all three of us, and we were right. And we know nothing about Lord of the Rings. So the mystery wasn't that great. Yeah. Right. I, don't need, I don't need this show to be a whodunit. Like I don't need this yeah. show to be knives out. Like, Ooh, <laughs> Sauron. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what the genre that is. That's right. I mean, the biggest criticism of the show is too many mystery boxes, too many things, too many cliffhangers, you know, and I think that in my hope is that in season two, we are much more focused, as you said, on story, plot, character, etc. Now yeah. that like a lot of it has been resolved. And I think we should get to another um, another mystery box that was resolved um, or mostly resolved, which was let's talk about this stranger and the encounter with the three cult let's talk about those scenes so that was the opening of the show we we returned to the stranger and he's in the in the forest he's got the apple that nori gave him and he encounters the three oh aesthetically perfect in my opinion mystics or cultists what have you um i personally really enjoyed uh this encounter watching this play out watching him decide that he is good make that decision um that's very this this whole sequence explored a lot of Tolkienian themes which is free will versus destiny or fate or God's will um, so I enjoyed it for that reason but I'm, I'm anxious to get your thoughts let's start with uh, Lottie okay so what I wrote down is the myst mystics and Gandalf was the part I enjoyed the least actually okay <laughs> but I just so that's just my my opinion on it I just thought it was weird and I have a hard time describing why I guess they are just my least favorite characters but they're supposed to be you're not supposed to like them um they do really mm. mean evil things and they're trying to get gandalf to be or they mistake him for sauron um and but what i liked about it and what you said i mean um even gandalf we see him struggle with the power of evil and good and i love that he is gandalf just because nori found him and the harfoots took care of him and they brought him back to the path of the light and showed him, you know, who he who he is and who he wants to be. Um, and that explains why Gandalf later on is so close or has such a close relationship with the Hobbits. And I, I really like that. Yeah. Um, I'll ask you a question, panel. Were you excited? First of all, there's still debate whether or not this is Gandalf. He did say the verbatim lines, but some of the some of the fans and the fandom are like, it could still just be a blue an Astari. It could still, you know, that could be misleading us. But are you ex are you as newbies excited that a perhaps recognizable character has entered the picture? Like this is possibly Gandalf. Is that thumbs up or thumbs down if this is Gandalf? Or do you not so care? I <laughs> For me, it's a thumbs up because I know who Gandalf is and I and, and I, I know him from the movies and I remember him from the books 20-some years ago or more whenever I read them. Um, and he's a very iconic figure. But the problem I have, and, the, and it's not, not anything to do with the show, not anything to do with anything else, is rights. I, I don't even know if they have the rights to Gandalf because I remember hearing that they don't. They don't have the rights to that stuff. And then everyone's like, he's Gandalf. And I'm like, I 
I don't know if he does, is or not. I, I don't really know for sure um, because they never said it right out. Maybe he can be Gandalf without calling him Gandalf the whole time. I don't oh, know. So should, should we still call him Meteor Man? I'm still calling him the stranger for now. Okay. I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and that. call him Gandalf. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think, like, I think, first of all, that's who I've thought this is all along. You're raising an interesting, another interesting meta question here, John, and you mentioned it earlier, Jen, with their rights issues that they have. And this is, again, just one of the very difficult constraints that this poor writer's room, these poor showrunners are dealing with. You have mm -hmm. original um, IP that you have to do fan service for, but you can't, you don't have unrestricted access to all of that IP. And that's insanely difficult to try to work around, um, right. especially with... I'm sure that your producers have a lot of like, well, we need this and we need this and, and this. And they literally are giving you a checklist. I'm sure Star Wars creators deal with this too, as do Marvel creators, anybody with working in like large IP right now. Um, and so, yeah, I just sympathize a lot. Uh, I will say the whole, I like the thematic idea that this character, uh, the wizard is wrestling with whether or not he is good, good or bad. The fact that these weird sisters decided to call him Sauron for half the episode um, didn't do anything for me and didn't fool me for a minute. I can't wait to talk about them because I have thoughts. <laughs> let's talk about them. Well, let's, they, let's they were like, yeah. you're Sauron at the beginning of the episode. And I literally went, what? <laughs> Just like, you're really going to try to do this show and then switch it back the other way at the very last second when he yells... Yeah. I am good at them. Um, I'm sorry. There was a lot about the way that this played out. Even though, again, I think the impulse is right. They have a lot of right impulses here. Um, mm. I think the execution is where it sometimes stumbles for me. Mm. Mm. I, John, I totally go for agree. It. So, so visually, the three of them are stunning. I love the costumes. I like the way they portrayed. Yeah. The acting they did, I thought was was well, even though they had very, very little screen time outside of a couple of different scenes. Um, and that's my problem. So they're, they feel tacked on. They feel like this is, mm -hmm. okay, we need something to push this character to be good or bad. And we need something else to make people think he's Sauron. So we're going to, you know, kind of like, you know, the shell game, move things around and, and not have people look. And then we'll do this one big scene where we're going to tell the audience he's Sauron for a bit. And then everyone's going to go, oh, and then we're going to go, bang, no, it's Halbert. And I, I didn't like that at all. And I didn't like the fact that we have no, no idea who these people are. Uh, we know where they come from because they said that. But uh, when he you know, used his power on them, they changed into what appeared to be some kind of weird ghost lich king type weird things. I, like I said, I don't know the lore, so I don't know what they were supposed to be. Um, but obviously they seemed more than regular people. And they all had magic too, just like Gandalf and Sauron did. So they're something like that. But there's just not enough there for me to feel mm -hmm. anything for them at all other than the fact that they were tacked on to prove a point or to take the audience's eye away from something else i like the way they look though i mean they're gorgeous but yeah fantastic um was the fighting the fighting i actually i didn't think it was too much i thought it was some cool special effects in there thumbs it up looks or like thumbs they, down thumbs down because it looks like they cut it from the second movie of lord of the rings when when Sauron and gandalf are fighting it was the exact same fight pretty much 
I thought, from what I remember anyway, with the spinning them around the staff and moving them back and forth. I mean, I appreciated that, especially as being a moment of maybe, like fan service. Maybe and, Easter, like, yeah, maybe it was an Easter egg for fan service. Yeah, I yeah. think so. They like to do a lot of callbacks to the movies. And that's why Which I'm curious if it works for you or not, because the average fan, not the super fan, knows the movies. Um, so, you know, a lot of, I, I think a lot of the fandom is annoyed because there's like less callbacks to the books than there are the Jackson movies. Um, and so it, it is always curious to me how that hits, how that hits the average fan who, who has seen the movies, but not read the books, you know, are you recognizing these, these callbacks? And it sounds like you, all of you are, uh, for the most part. Um, so I want to, I want to real quick, Lottie, you look like you're like jumping out of your skin. So I want to, I want to you to talk about this whole sequence before we, before we move on. Yeah. I just, I was just wondering why they said the other, when they found out it's not Sauron. So for them, it mm. was like the consequence was, oh, it's not Sauron. So it's the other. And then, so that to me, it tells me that they are super connected somehow. So it seems to be like the other, there were two options, either it's Sauron or it's the other. Um, so I was just wondering how, Gan not Gandalf, but like the, how, what did they call him? Istar? Istar. Istar. How Which means that, wizard. If, yeah. Yeah. So like now I'm almost wondering is, is Sauron a wizard? I mean, he is definitely not, you know, he's more than just a, normal being um but i i just wondering how they are connected and i want to find out more about that so i think that was cool that we get a little hint that there's definitely a connection between the two mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i i enjoyed so we actually watched it in a group and the whole group was like when um later we get the scene when um sadok passes oh, away that was so sad i was, was gonna so talk sad. about the harfoots next yes yeah. oh, let's, okay. just, let's just move yeah. to the harfoots yeah go on <laughs> they were like oh wow the sun rose very quickly all of a sudden when he it said really he did <laughs> i was like oh you mean right now the sunrise <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a little funny but at the same time it was i thought it was very well done and when they yeah when the the harfoots they just give us the theme of family and relationships so well and they they call mm -hmm. on our emotions and especially when nori wins her farewell um very very emotional uh i think every either if you're a parent or not i mean it's it it got me when they mm -hmm. said goodbye to nori and when they said we gotta let her go we have to realize this is not her path she has to go with him the only thing i was thinking was that uh the stranger was very patient, <laughs> waiting for her, <laughs> standing up there the whole time next to the tree, just watching the butterflies go by. No. Yes. Anybody else on the Harfoots? <laughs> the the tearful goodbyes, the Nori going with the stranger. How did we they're, like? They're this? my they're my favorite part of the entire first season. Like the Harfoots, the way they were acted, the way they were written, the way the scenes went together. I thought they were the best part of the first season. Um, way better than they handled the elves. I didn't like a lot of the elf scenes and the way this is going to sound kind of bad, but I, did, I didn't find that some of the actors playing the elves did a very good job in my opinion. Um, but yeah, Harfoot's number one, Dwarf's number two. Uh, I loved the end scene. I liked the idea of family. I liked the idea of being good. I liked all of that. I liked that they really leaned into it. Um, and visually, I thought they were probably the 
best looking thing of the full first season. Hmm. Yeah. I feel the same way about the Harfoots. I really love them. Um, some people have uh, criticized how long this goodbye scene is. I mm-hmm. thought it was lovely. It really reminds me of the fir- the original three movies and the time we spend in the Shire and also the time we spend with Frodo and his companions, especially in Return of the King. Um, I thought this is the kind of fan service that I enjoy, which is taking the essence of like the, the spirit of the movies or the spirit of these particular kinds of characters or yeah, these themes and and spending time with them. That in itself is it feels like a loving homage um, without being too on the nose as fan service to, to the original trilogy. Um, I will say, I, I and I love the idea that Nori's going with him. I love the idea that Poppy's going to lead now and because I adore Poppy and she's wonderful in this. Um, yes. I do wish just logistically that, so we heard from the cultists that, um, the wizard is going to remember more about who he is as he gets closer to what is that place called? The rune rune rune. Thank you. Um, but I wish that someone had, that the show had hung a la- a brief lantern on. I remember a lot more now. I also can talk like a normal human now, <laughs> Nori. Um, or that Nori had been like, it's nice sitting and talking with you. And he's like, yeah, you know, they really, they, this is one thing that they've helped me with or something like. Or the veil has them. been lifted, I remember. Right, literally any line that acknowledges he's just going to talk like a normal human now. And I say that because I really love this actor who's playing the wizard. And I'm really glad we get to hear him yes. talk now. Um, yes. And so I, I kind of just wish from a logical standpoint that they had again, like, <laughs> called out. There's a shift for the character happening, um, symbolized in the way that he communicates. And I... I think that that could be uh, like highlighted a little bit more. Um, but I think that these two are great together and I'm excited to mm. see what happens with them. That They are the thing I'm most excited about in season two. Mm. Yes, same. I'm very excited to see them journey together. The Hobbit wizard relationship is so foundational in uh, all of Tolkien's works actually. And so, yeah, I'm really similarly excited that we get to focus in on them and not as much with the caravan. I'll miss all those characters, but it'll be really nice to go deeper and deeper into into that relationship and explore things um, Mm -hmm. there. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff to come hopefully in season 2. My question for you all is will you be watching season 2? <laughs> yep. You know, my partner really loves this show, so I guess <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I will. There's You're there's in a it lot now. that I I well, that's the other thing is that I'm in it now. There's a lot that I am excited about um and I'm curious to see like I think uh, you know we don't have to dive too much into the meta stuff that I was uh, touching on earlier, mm. but I I think that what is happening in in the film and TV industry, um, in particular in the TV industry right now, is fascinating. Um, and if you're interested at all in where we are going as a culture and what is going to happen in our entertainment, it is worth watching pieces of big IP like this because these are sort of the... Um, I don't know. I was going to look for, I was going to say the word harbinger, but that is not the word that I'm looking for. They're sort of the uh, test or like they're kind of taking the temperature of the business of what's going on um, and where we can expect to see entertainment going. And so um, I think for that reason alone, I'm interested to see what ends up happening in this series. Hmm. For me, I I think I've said it the whole time. It's a $2 show in a $10 package. 
Um, oh yeah, I, we didn't even mention it, how gorgeous it looks. So so it it's it's, it's amazing, gorgeous. but it's gorgeous. but but it's a it's a spectacle show. Um, there wasn't a whole lot there for the first season for me, at least anyway, I like story driven. I like character driven stuff. And mm -hmm. there was a little bit of that, um, but it was mainly focused on spectacle. And I think that was the point because a lot of people really like spectacle explosions per minute and all that are great. Um, it's part of their Amazon's checklist. Um, but I'm hoping that they kind of dial it back for season two. Cause yeah, they spent a lot of money on it for season one. It, it looked beautiful. It was gorgeous. I had very few complaints about the CG except for that weird looking warg and, episode three was it the the well, you bought it at a dollar store um other than that it looked really good but the writing and the story to me wasn't up to par with the amount of money they spent wasn't up mm. to par with um what they could have done and again i know nothing about the lore and what should have gone in or what didn't go in and i just i watching the show i'm like Ugh, i didn't like these storylines there's not enough here there's the this seems a bridge this seems edited out um so i'm hoping that for the second season, they kind of marry the, the the substance and the and the spectacle together, and it's it's more of a, a five and five dollar show rather than a two and ten dollar show. If that makes any sense, I'd rather them mm -hmm. spend less money in spectacle and more money on character development and writing and making sure they get all that stuff right. Yes, I think um, I'm hoping that they take the lessons similarly, um, and that these showrunners they are pretty green so we all know and this was a big fear um they were involved in some some television that never got made we know they were you know star trek writers which made me very nervous um but i'm hoping that the feet they take the feedback from the fandom take the feedback from um, folks who want to like the show um, and they're still making the show. So there's lots of opportunities. There'll be five seasons. There's lots of opportunities for them to turn the ship around in the ways that didn't work and continue with the things that absolutely worked. You know, many people loved the, the, the visuals. Many people love the Harfoots. There are some great storylines in here. Um, so I feel, I feel overall very hopeful. Um, yeah. And I, and I do, yeah, I do want to say too, we tend to lay a lot of blame or praise at the feet of showrunners. Um, but showrunners have bosses. And the thing about like, you could have the most brilliant showrunners in the world. And if you don't give them enough time is a big one in TV. TV showrunners often do not have a sufficient amount of time for development because the emphasis is we have a writing schedule, we have a production schedule and that's just what it is. So get these scripts out the door. Um, but creativity, no matter how brilliant you are, takes time. So that's thing number one. But they also need to be given creative leeway and showrunners, no matter how brilliant or green you are, are often not given creative leeway or are dealing with very real constraints from a network and producers, et cetera. And so I just want to explain... It doesn't explain some of the weaknesses in the script writing for me, though. I I um, fully agree, but I but I just want to say that you know the, there's there are a lot of factors here, um, yeah. and so like I think that there are a variety of issues probably going on in the development process, and I don't mm -hmm. know which ones are just straight you know out of the showrunners and the writers' brains, um, and which ones are not in their control. So I I just want to say like for those that are like. I hate these showrunners. Maybe, but maybe there are other things. Yeah. And at the at the same time, um, if you love these showrunners, that doesn't necessarily mean anything either um, no. in terms of so, what actually ends like, up on your TV screen. 
I can't speak to the Lord of the Rings because I don't know. I don't know much about the showrunner or I know they're green and I know they didn't have much behind them, but I can speak about the Wheel of Time because I know a lot about that. And I can tell you that with Wheel of Time, which was Amazon's tester fantasy, and no matter what anybody says, it's what it was. It was it was a test bed for a lot of the stuff they did for Lord of the Rings. Um, the writer's room, the showrunner, the production team had very, very little freedom. Uh, Amazon mm -hmm. had their lists and they said, you will do this. And there was a lot of arguing behind the scenes. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of, even for small things. Uh, for example, in the Wheel of Time, they wanted to make one of the main characters whose big thing was to talk to wolves, talk to bears instead, because they thought it would look better. And that took a lot of fighting to make it not happen. And it would have completely killed the show for the fandom. Um, so I can't imagine that the Lord of the Rings did anything better, I, especially since the showrunners are so green. I think there's a reason they pick green showrunners for this is because they can mm. tell them you will do these things. This is how it will work. And you will get a good gold star next to your name for doing it. Because um, Amazon truly, truly, truly likes to control the direction of a lot of their shows. Um, and I think that's part of their problem, <laughs> unfortunately. Right. I mean, so making a show of this scale using so with using limited source material was always going to be a task. It was of always course. going to be a challenge. And as you mentioned, um, Trisha, they don't have the rights to the stuff in the Silmarillion, which would have rounded out a lot of the story. Um, so they are filling in massive, massive gaps. And, you know, the lore panel is going to get to this, so I don't want to spend um, too much time. Um, but I want to I want to ask the super chat and I want to ask you all, who are you? which characters let's focus on Numenorian characters and the Numenorian storyline who are you excited to see the most and I'm going to answer first because I have strong feelings here I'm really excited to see Muriel I think she was a fantastic character I think she was a true leader a true queen she suffered greatly the consequences of her decision to go to Middle Earth she is now blind um but she is a, a queen of the people. She was fighting right alongside with them. She was rescuing them after the volcano erupted. You know, she she is a leader. And um, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing her um, arc play out in Numenor. And um, as you said before, John, of course, seeing the Chancellor and how that's going to unfold. So I'll ask you all, you know, the same question. Who are you excited to see more of? I'm going to go with a sealed war. I don't yeah. like I don't like that he's gone right now. I don't know what I what to think about that. But from mm. the beginning, I wanted him to meet Galadriel. I don't know. I wanted them to meet. I wanted him to play a bigger role. And he is he's a character who's still searching for his way and he feels like there's a calling. He can't really define what it is. Mm. Um I hope they do a good job on bringing him back. Um yeah, so he, I'm most excited about his uh story arc in the next season. Okay. Yeah. He's definitely a, such a flawed character. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying him um, so much. I want to read something from the super chat really quick to that, to that point. Um, to the point we last made the showrunners talked a great talk and I was excited about their vision, saddened by the show, trying to fit the films, dumbing things down and feeding on the nose hints like, Marvel on the nose hints like Marvel. Um, this is from Kieran. Kieran, um, just sort of weighing in on that topic. Uh, we like to insert some of your super chats because you know we appreciate you participating, and I feel that, and I think we all feel that. But you know, remaining hopeful uh, for season two. But 
you know, set segueing back um, into talking about Numenor, if anybody in the super chat has, you know, anything to say about the Numenorian characters, um, get it in now while I ask my my awesome panelists, um, Trisha and John, about their um, Numenorian characters' favorites. Yeah, I'm excited to see Isildur come back. I feel pretty confident his horse is going to save him because um, I let his horse go and we all know that they're there and uh, the horse is going to bring him back. Um, I felt like I didn't have as strong of a sense as I wanted in this series about Isildur and what his arc is going to be like and, um, you know, what's his indecisiveness about who he is and what he wants doesn't give me a strong hint about what where he's going. Um, although I know where he's going. But I'm curious how he gets there. Um, and I, I think that that's going to be uh, rich for dramatic conflict and everything in, in the next series. So definitely that. And I really am enjoying what they did with Muriel as well. The choice to take away her sight as a result of this accident, I think is fantastic. Um, it's really great and inventive um, and gives the actor a lot to do. And I think she's wonderful. She's always been one of my favorite parts of the show. Mm, okay. As soon as they did that, I thought personification yes. of justice when she comes exactly back to, right to, to liberate. Yeah, I saw. I was like, oh, this is good. I like this <laughs> symbolism. I see you. That's right. <laughs> I got you. Um, well, before we wrap up, I want to you know thank all of you for coming on this journey, for showing up faithfully, and talking about this show. It's been a true pleasure. You all have wonderful insights, and um, I am personally hoping that you come back and chat with us um, for season two and watch along. I love having the newbies. If you can, if you can stay away from uh, the source material for long enough, we'd love to have you back. Um, I'd love to get your predictions for season two. Anything you want. Um, predictions or what you're hoping for. And we've touched on that a little bit, but uh, we'll start with Lottie. Okay. Um, I think, so, well, we see that Sauron or Helbrand is going to try and take Mortar back from Adar probably because Adar is, he thinks he's the king of Mortar right now. And there's definitely, and he also thought that he killed Sauron. So that's going to be interesting to see that them. Um, and he now learned how to make the rings, so, yeah. <laughs> He's probably gonna make, go make his own. Uh, and then the elves, they're definitely getting into some kind of argument with the dwarves, because they didn't help them. Um, and we saw a little bit of the darker side of Disa and Durin, so also, maybe they're gonna make their own. Um, and what I hope to see more of is like this theme of you know like even like combining those metals we learned like that they almost like they need each other to make those powers the balrog mm. and the elf and the power of nature they made something great so this theme of more explaining what the dark side which i like about this that they try to explain both adar and sauron are trying to say we are also beings and we are also trying to make this a better world their perspective is just different so i don't i want to see that theme play out of the balance of we need that balance of you know darkness and light you can't see the light if there's no darkness and the other way around so i'm excited for mm -hmm. that yeah yeah I agree with everything that Lottie just said. Um, every tiny little bit of it. Well spoken, Lottie. Uh, I yeah. For me, the thing that I want most is more theme. Like I just want to know what this show is about. 
I want to know what makes me care about it. Um, and that comes from character arc uh, and character development and thematic depth that, uh, you know, thematic depth arises when this idea, which I think the show is about good and evil. Um, I think that's the theme that is coming out here. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, uh, several episodes ago, what does that mean? I would like the show to really get into what is evil? What are our evil impulses? Um, and because unless we know what those are, you know, the character, unless the character's um, darkness is named, it becomes hard to avoid. Um, and so I think, you know, there's some touching on that in this episode where Halbrand is beckoning Galadriel, like, come rule with me. And she's like, well, I don't want to be a part. Of she's like, you know, he's like, let's bring peace to Middle Earth or whatever. And let's also rule it. And she's like, I will never be a part of that. So there's yeah. a lust for power there that's kind of being named um, right. or that impulse to seize control of others. And I, I think that that is when the show is at its best, when it's having those sort of more explicit conversations, not just in dialogue, but in action, um, mm -hmm. in the characters' choices, when those are being um, really, like, really textually treating with the theme of evil. And where does it lurk? How can we avoid it if we don't look at it in our own hearts and our own selves, et cetera? Um, so... You know, I, I think that there's a lot of potential here. The show didn't do quite as much of it as I had hoped, but definitely in season two, I think there's a lot of space for that. So, Absolutely. Um, I personally, yeah, I have to agree with you, Trisha. I think they really verbally harped on how far into the darkness will you go, touch the darkness to protect what you love. Um, but we need to see that play out. Um, we, we don't just need to hear it over and over again. We need to see that. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping, I'm absolutely hoping that that season two will get more into to that theme. And also, what does it look like to have um, to have dominance over the flesh, a power not of the flesh, but over mm. it? We heard that repeated many mm. times, but we didn't see what it looked like in um, practically speaking. So you know, hoping season two, they're going to flesh that out much more. Um, yeah. John, let's hear from you before we wrap I, up. I, I'm kind of hoping season two focuses on Sauron and the fact that Galadriel hasn't told anyone who he is yet. And he uses that as a way to manipulate her or everyone else to joining his cause to liberate Mordor and 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 get rid of all the orcs and, and whatnot. But he actually does have a master plan in mind to corrupt everyone and bring armies to his cause. And I want to see some, I, I want to see him be an actual villain because he really wasn't for the first season at all. Um, Adar was yeah. in my opinion, pretty much the villain. And I want to see the second season, him really become manipulative and, and, and evil. Uh, that's what I want to see anyway. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we're not done with Adar. We're so Certainly not done with the the orcs or the uruks. They prefer uruks. Um, so we'll you know we'll get back to all that good stuff. I'm sure in season two. Looking forward to it. Um, thank you all so much for you know all of your time, all of your insights. It's it's really wonderful. I'm just gonna leave a little bit of space right now. If anybody would like to call in, any brave souls want to call in and ask the newbie panel a question or ask me a question, the number is flashing on the screen right now you can call if you're feeling bold 
Um, and if we don't get any calls, we're going to hand it over to the lore panel. So once again, I'm going to announce that we have the Melon Heads joining us today. They have their own podcast. If you haven't checked that out, you know, do go check that out um, after panel two. And I would like to quickly plug all three of our panelists. They have really exciting um, things going on. All three of them have... Um, shows that they do regularly that you should absolutely check out so um, if if you three could briefly talk about your respective um, endeavors and tell people where they can find you that would be great so we'll start with Lottie where can people listen to you and and what is it that you do okay um, Ezra and I we do our Harry Potter podcast it's called Shell Cottage Radio from um, you know we're on Instagram you can find us at, at Fleur and Bill uh, because there are two characters from Harry Potter. And what we do is we, you know, love to have like a cozy ambient style podcast where we just reread the books and sit down with a hot cup of coffee and yeah, play, um, play some ambient noises in the background and talk about the books because we love them. Are you going chapter by chapter through the Harry Potter books? Yeah, we thought, we actually thought about many different ways to do it, but this just seems to be the best way. And um, we're sticking to that right now. We go chapter by chapter. We just, uh, fin so we're have, we have one more left in the first book. So we just started out. So that's exciting. They just started out. That sounds so lovely. And it is a husband wife duo. And so there's going to be that natural chemistry. I'm absolutely yeah. going to listen. I'm a very big Harry Potter fan myself. So I'm going to awesome. check out chill cottage radio for sure. Uh, and thank you, Lottie. Thank you for everything. Oh, thank you, Jen. You're a wonderful host. It's been so such fun to be here every week <laughs> awesome 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 john let's move to you and your your cool stuff you got going on <laughs> tell us about uh, it so so i run a wheel of time news youtube channel i mostly focus on the amazon production wheel of time although i do uh do book lore uh explain videos things of the nature for people who are new to the wheel of time fandom um i break down everything and anything there is to know about the wheel of time uh whether it be news leaks rumors i do interviews with cast crew production team in fact my third anniversary show is airing tomorrow and i have two very surprised guests for cast members from the show coming on to speak with me um so mm. you don't want to miss that if if you're not already subscribed to the channel, please subscribe. Uh, it is a really good listen. They tell some wonderful stories about being on set with Roseman Pike and um, some fun stuff about COVID as well. So re really a, a good show coming out tomorrow. But I usually put out a couple of videos per week and uh, anything from leaks to official news to um, to breakdowns of what goes on. So that's that's what I do. So cool. Um, I really enjoyed the Wheel of Time. I didn't know what was going on. I'm sure I had a very similar experience to what you're having with Lord of the Rings. I was slightly confused, but I enjoyed the ride. And uh, I'll, I'll certainly be tuning into season two, and I'm going to watch your YouTube for a little bit more context. So I think it's so cool that you've gotten some cast members. I know that we're mm -hmm. personally hoping to do that on Watch Party Lord of the Rings, um, my podcast. You know, we'd love to have uh, cast members on. So super cool to get people's experience who are on the ground making the show um all of that's great so yeah go it's check always out, a lot of fun yeah absolutely go check out what up and uh let's move to trisha trisha what's your what's your deal i know you have an awesome podcast so tell us all about it sure yeah um i'm a screenwriter and i also write for a youtube channel called lessons from the screenplay we do 10 minute like video essays that do story and screenwriting focused analysis on film um and then we have a companion podcast uh, you don't have to watch the youtube channel to listen to the podcast um the podcast is called beyond the screenplay 
um, co-hosted by me and three others, including the creator of the YouTube channel, Michael Tucker. Um, and with every week or every other week, we talk about a movie and we just dive into it. We do in-depth, story-focused, conversational analysis where we get into the screenwriting techniques and just all the storytelling techniques um, that you see on display. And it's all positive, like pretty much all from a positive angle. So we basically pick things that we think are really well done in movies that we really love and try to break down why they're great from a storytelling angle. Um, and especially with a screenwriting focus, but you don't need to be a screenwriter to listen to it. It's not too inside baseball. So uh, yeah. that's beyond the screenplay. It's fantastic. I, I'm a regular listener now, especially since you've joined this show. And I have to say, I'm a huge Jane Austen fan, and your analysis of Pride and Prejudice was so fantastic. I love that movie. Um, oh, thanks. It, it, it was. It was just. It's a really wonderful way to to listen back through a movie that you've seen and hear all different perspectives um, they, they jump into again a lot of the script because that's their specialty so definitely you know go check that out it's it's really great beyond the screenplay um, so I'm going to release our, our lovely newbies thank you all again hope to see you in the future um, yeah best of luck with all your endeavors <laughs> <laughs>